Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. We're continuing the series of Purpose and today I've got Dr. Parvinda Shagil on the show, also known as the Secret Psychiatrist. She's an award-winning doctor as well as a writer, actress, presenter and filmmaker and she's recorded for BBC Channel 4 and has also been featured in The Guardian. Not only is she doing tremendous work to represent other South Asian artists um, in the media and the entertainment sector, but also just tremendous work being right on the front line during the pandemic. So we're going to hear about her experiences, about that, just being right on the front line, um, working with doctors at, at this crazy, very surreal time that this year has been, um, as well as her creativity and, and all the passions and desires she has and what she feels her purpose is. Welcome, Bavinda, to Unplug with Annie. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me on this like really hot but lovely day. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's nice to actually be interviewing someone that is in the UK as well, because everyone's sort of all over the world with this. Yeah. Um, but you're doing like so many things. You've got your hand in so many pies, if you like, you know, from writing to filmmaking to acting to being a doctor. Um, and I think it's super significant, obviously, considering we're in this pandemic right now, but you're doing some really important work. But I, I think I'm curious to know, and the audience would be curious to know a little bit about your journey and how, you, how, how you've transitioned into the arts from doing something like being a doctor. Yeah, no, I get that question a lot. So actually, um, I was going to go to film school at 18. I was going to be in, I want to do acting, like, since I was a little girl, and I was always planning to do that. And then... Um, and I'm someone I like lots of things as well you know I like literature I like philosophy I like science um, and I don't know about you Annie but when I was growing up like there was no British South Asians you know in on TV apart from Bollywood and I don't fit the Bollywood criteria and you know there was Bend It Like Beckham and that was absolutely it and I just I, re I remember I really remember this at 17 I was like so I was very shy, you know, I was bullied. I didn't have a lot of confidence. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it in this industry. Like they'll eat me alive. Um, you know, I'm so sensitive, especially when I was growing up. And I just thought, okay, let me be a bit practical because I want to do other degrees. Why don't I get some life experience? And I'll come back to it later on when I feel like I'm more confident, you know, more life experience. So I did philosophy. I did medicine at uni. Um, absolutely, you know, loved philosophy especially. And then, you know, I, I ended up becoming a doctor and I wasn't ever planning to do that. I was always planning to go into research or academia or something, but I ended up falling into clinical care and you just get swept away in the NHS because it's so busy, you forget like who you are. So I just completely forgot about acting because I had no time. And then it was really, really kind of like a year and a half ago, two years ago, I took a year off NHS work so I was so tired um, just to kind of reconnect with me and my life and who I was you know as you do at some point and then I started writing um, and I started writing some articles and books and bits and bobs and then I lost my granddad so he passed away and he was really close to me and it's really funny in a way that when something like that happens everyone reassesses like their life and like the future and I even though I'm a doctor and I see death at work but having my granddad die it really kind of took me back and I thought I love acting so much like I could die tomorrow and I'll really regret this if I don't go back into it so I went to acting school and then the industry has not changed that much um 
So I was like auditioning and there's so few roles, one for women as lead roles and two for women of color and three South Asian British women. So I was like, oh, forget this. I'm gonna make my own stuff. So I had my own theater show last year and this year I'm just making my own films. And every film I have written, I have a lead role for a South Asian woman because I want, to, I want that door to be open. Like there's so much going on, but if we don't make the work, it's not gonna change. The industry won't change. Yeah, that, that's really true. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, yeah, exactly. I just remember Bend It Like Beckham. There were a few others, I think, East of East. Uh, a yeah. Few others. Yeah, and it was just, it, yeah, that's all we kind of had as representation, um, yeah. which, is, which is so difficult. Um, but it's amazing that you, it's amazing that you have that clarity that you were going to go back to it as well. And it's yeah. amazing that you did take the plunge. And was there anything that you were like afraid of before doing that? Or did you? Of course. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, you have the security because of um, the fact that you, you did have other, other qualifications. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. Like, I think if I had done it at 17, you know, I, I, Firstly, I really, I really don't know if I would have made it. I don't know if financially, if I could have secured even food on the table. Um, I really, I really, really don't know. Um, you know, and I don't think, because there it's so few South Asians in Hollywood, shall I say, that have that opportunity. Like there's Dev Patel, but where are the women? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there's like really lack, and it's a lot of stereotyping as well. So I think I was actually planning this year not to work as a doctor. It was so funny, like before COVID happened and my contract ended and it was so weird. Like I remember there was a gut feeling and I thought, I feel like I have to be a doctor for another year because I just, I don't know why. And then a month later, COVID happened. I mean, I just think, and I, and then I think, you know, what would I have done this year? Um, you know, cause I, I, I still have a mortgage to pay. I didn't know how people are coping. Like I feel really thankful because I'm a positive person. I have a degree to fall back on and I, I can be a doctor even though it's in this time. Um, but I don't know what I'd be doing because you know, I, creative world as amazing and beautiful is, is really hard to like financially secure yourself. Um, so I think we're in a really uncertain time actually. And I think we have to support each other because we just don't know what next year will hold or how long it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. I mean, I want to ask you so many questions and I'm just like thinking which one first. I also do want to address the fact that you have been a doctor during this pandemic and, you know, what has that been like? I mean, my cousin's a doctor as well. So, you know, very much on the front line. Um, I'm sure it's been very, very scary. And like you said, we've not, you know, a lot of us haven't seen anything like this in our lifetime, but we're going to definitely remember it. Um, mm. what, how, how has it been emotionally for you during this time? Um, so that's really interesting you actually said that because, and the reason I say this, I'm actually a very emotionally quite resilient person. And I think because I specifically work in mental health, you have to be, um, because you get projected a lot and it's very difficult to contain. Um, and I never cry actually. Um, but three weeks into the lockdown, I, I actually burst into tears. And I remember I was recording for Channel 4 for an NHS documentary. And the reason I burst into tears is there was nobody at work. I was the only doctor. We had no PPE. I was being asked to see patients, you know, um, without anything. And I felt for the first time, we are so disposable to the country. And I thought my life does not matter. And it was a really painful um, realisation. And I remember I wrote a poem 
And, I, and one of the lines was, you wouldn't send a soldier to the war without a gun. Why do you send a doctor without a mask? And I just thought, wow, like I have sacrificed, as so many people, you know, nurses, doctors, whoever, my friends, um, you know, you have to study until you're four, from 14 years old and you still continue every year because you still have exams as a doctor. And I thought, I have literally given myself, you know, to this country and, and it's not the country's fault. I mean, it's government and all this nonsense. Um, and then one of my friends that day, and it was a lot to take in, he is only 32 and he wrote a will because he genuinely thought he was going to die. And I honestly, it makes me so emotional thinking about it because the reality is, you know, we do feel like we're, fight, we're on, on our own. And, you, and I did have a patient actually say to me, um, you should die as a doctor for us. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm in this industry, you know, in NHS healthcare, where people really don't care. And um, it was a really horrible realization. And I really felt ethically, you know, do I put my life first or a patient's life? And I nearly quit, to be honest, because I just thought, why am I being forced to see patients without a mask? Um, so that one day, I have to say, I felt really anxious. I was crying. I was emotionally in a really bad place. Um, and then I just was back to normal, whatever the normal is. But um, yeah, it's definitely been, I think, a weird, weird transition, a weird roller coaster. We're still dealing with it. And then on the other hand, because I like to be optimistic, I think, well, I'm really lucky, you know, that I can help in this time. Um, and now we do have masks. So I kind of look at it the other way. Um, but obviously it comes with you know so much transition like i had to move back home with my parents because transport all of that it was really difficult and doctors were not coming in so i had to come in to work quicker and and then i had the concerns obviously i'm obviously bane my dad my mum are in the high risk category as was my sister and then i had that whole thing of which i think we all went through is like you know if i come home do i have to sterilize everything do i you know there was just lots going on um mm -hmm. But I think it's been a weird time for everybody. And I think we've all at some point had like an anxiety moment and a concern. And I think it's really normal. But I certainly think when this is all over, I really think mental health for staff is going to be really affected. And I think people are exhausted. Like we cancelled our annual leave in order to help out on the front line. I was really burnt out. And I do a lot, but I was burnt out. Um, and yeah, but I really think we need to somehow look after those people that have been working, you know, shopkeepers, cleaners. I mean, thank God for them. You know, everybody, the grocers, whatever. I think we need to really be there emotionally for everyone after this because they have been working through this whole time without the protection. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's just a really important point. And it was, yeah, it's just so nice that you've shared that and, and been vulnerable and honest because I... I think it's, it's been really difficult to get a very clear picture from someone who's really been in it, what that experience must have been like. Um, but going back to you being also a South Asian uh, talent, if, if you weren't <laughs> interested in, in, in acting and filmmaking, um, was there any family pressures then? Because obviously like acting, I know for me, <laughs> There was a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And how did you navigate through that? Because, um, yeah, it, it's very difficult explaining to, to you know, a, a different generation and, and challenging their pattern of thinking as to why you want to do something you love to do. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. something which will not give you stability and everyone's just like, well, why? Yeah. No, I think, I think that's one thing I think we can all connect with. I think... Um, 
Yeah, so I definitely had that. Um, so my parents, even though I'm third generation British Indian, my parents, um, and I like to say they really brought me up to be very liberal in the sense of independent woman, you can do anything you want. And I really respect that. And um, they gave me a lot of different cultures growing up. But on the other hand, they are South Asian traditional parents. You know, my dad was a turban, um, you know, and on some aspects, you know, that is within them. Um, and also I'm the eldest on my mom's side of the family. So I had a lot of pressure to kind of set the tone for all the younger ones. I, there was certainly, honestly, I, I, I mean, I won't lie. So yeah, I mean, when I told my mom and dad, I want to be an actor, I mean, I can't express to their face. I'm, I'm sure you've had that face where it's like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you, do you want to live? Do you want to survive? Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it comes out of, obviously it's concern. And they just, I think, you know, South Asian parents, they come from a world where they grew up in a generation where, you know, you've got to get married at a certain age, you've got to have children, um, you have to do certain things for society and community to fit in. And there's certain rules and regulations in a way, you know, in order to be accepted and for them to feel uh, part of a community. And I, I completely get the psychology of it. Um, but the problem is, if you raise your child to be liberal, independent, British, Western thinking for their own, and a woman of her own thinking, I mean, you're going to butt heads. Um, they certainly butted heads. And I did have pressure, um, you know, to get a good degree, you know, whatever that is, if you want to say dentistry, medicine, science, whatever, maths, whatever. I certainly did have that pressure. Um, but I have to say, since I got my degree, and I did philosophy as well, so I've always had that side. Um, really, in the last few years, like my dad's a lawyer, and he did say to me a few years ago when I started writing and I was thinking of walking away from medicine, he kind of, and I was, I didn't do surgery, so I was going to do surgery, and I changed to mental health. I remember him saying he didn't respect because he wanted to be the best doctor, you know, like a surgeon in his head. But I think it just comes with age and confidence. And I think because I showed them, look, I can look after myself. And for them, if that's having a degree and having a job and that makes them happy, they've now accepted it and they now encourage it. And it's taken them a while, um, for sure. Um, but I really think I'm not just doing it for myself to fight that corner. Cause I feel like I've done something for them. I've got the degree for them as well as for me. And now I'm doing other stuff that I want to do. But I feel like it is only going to help rest of the family you know what I mean if someone and there's no one creative in my family um but I feel like there's budding creatives out there everywhere do you know what I mean and I feel like we have to take a stand together um, but you have to be smart about it like you know end of the day this industry is really hard and and I think we'd be lying if we you know I I, I think you have to follow your dreams your passions and it doesn't have to be certainly straight away at 17 you know be forward thinking as well and look after yourself. Like there's certain things we need in life as well. And I think just be smart about it. Um, and I'm really grateful I went into it later on um, because now I'm really happy where I am. And I absolutely do love my work in mental health and I've combined it with film. So it's works, but um, I think definitely follow your passions. I think parents are always going to be like that. I think it's going to take a while for that kind of mindset to change, but we are the change. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So our children will grow up in a really creative, passionate household, which is amazing. Yeah, no, very true. It does seem like there's like universal truth um, with this <laughs> for the South Asian community and other communities. I'm sure they can relate yeah. in many ways. Um, did you, so did you feel like you were, 
and because often I feel like as an actor, especially when I initially got into it, it was sort of like, if you are an actor, you just need to be an actor. And there's this kind of like pressure to fit into a box. And I know you mentioned it before that you, you, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that you really enjoy doing. Did at any point you feel like, oh, I just have to pick one. And I, if, if I, if I, if I pick so many, I can't be, I can't excel at so many different things. Mm -hmm. No, I've never thought that. I am someone that I think you can be absolutely anything and everything. I hate people putting women in a box, especially. So I hate when people put me in a box as being a doctor actor because they think you can't be an actor because you're a doctor. No, I'm so much more than that, just like we all are. Um, we all have different passions. And I certainly think, you know, you can, you can have lots of careers. You can have one. Um, just like you might have a passion for hiking as well as something else. So I think, I don't believe in that. I've never believed in it. And I, I truly think actually being good at different things makes you better at the craft you're doing um, because you vary your experience. Um, you know, you communicate with a diverse range of people. I certainly think I'm a better director and producer because I'm a doctor, because I know how to lead and be calm in stressful situations. Um, so I, you know, if you want to be or anyone wants to be just an actor, that's fine but don't put anyone in a box because that person will end up blowing your mind because that person will want to stretch. And I think it shows a lot of courage when you have an individual that wants to do other things. I think good for you. Um, and I think why stop there? You know, whatever you feel, I'm a big passionate believer that you do it. And especially as a woman, I want women to have the lead roles, you know, men get them, let us give it to the women. They can do it just as well behind the screen, on the screen. So no, no, no boxes. Yeah, no, that's so good. And I completely agree with you. I just think like you're, you're, you're given so many and so many of, so many of us have like innate gifts as well, which we hone and, you know, it's given there for a purpose. And I definitely feel like it's a real shame if you don't get to, you know, utilize yes. those gifts. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about like, so we've seen as well as the pandemic happening, there's been the Black Lives Matter movement, which has happened. And that's, that we've seen an incredible shift, which I really hope is sustained and long lasting. And of course, I can't deny that there's so much history attached to it. But taking it a little bit out of context, because of the Black Lives Matter, we can argue that there's been more emphasis on like black representation in the entertainment industry as well. Um, and, and suddenly more emphasis given there, which was not given so much before, maybe, you know, we could, we could argue that. But with South Asian communities, I feel like, and like you said, that shift hasn't happened. And there doesn't seem to be a particular movement backing that shift. Um, so do you feel like as a community we have, do you feel like we're really, we're really uniting as a community or what needs to be made to like, what needs to yeah. be done to really make that shift yeah. and get people to notice that actually we're underrepresented as well? Yeah. yeah. So I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently. So um, I'm friends with a, with a large black community. And one thing I've noticed, and I might be wrong, some people might not agree with me. I've noticed compared to the South Asian community, right? Compared to the black community, I feel they work together. You know, they encourage it together, they collaborate together. Um, you know, if there's a job, they will tell each other about it. Um, whereas I don't see that so much in the South Asian community. It feels very isolated and it feels like, and I don't like that feeling. It feels like you're competing with individuals. And I don't like that because I'm all about collaboration because we need each other. Um, and we can't do it on our own, if we're honest. And I feel like we need to also do what that community is doing. 
So we need to make productions together. We need to reach out together. You know, what you're doing now is absolutely fantastic. You know, having guests of the South Asian community, I love this. Um, we need to find each other because how else are we going to do that movement? You can't do it on your own, okay? We need, we need the force behind us. And I think, I think things are starting to bubble, if I'm honest. Like, um, you know, I think in this time of lockdown, creatives have been fantastic at reaching out on social media, especially, and it's really got me through, actually, and I've loved that. Um, but I feel like with Black Lives Matter, I'm really optimistic change will happen. And I, I don't just mean for the black community, I think for everybody, every diversity, whether you have a disability, you know, different sexuality, gender, whatever it is, um, the trans community, LGBT community. And I feel we all have to push it together. Um, and it represents so much more than just Black Lives Matter. It represents absolutely all of us in ethnic minority communities. But I certainly, from the South Asian community, I don't want us to see each other as competition, you know, um, as the enemy. We need to do it together. So I think let's make more productions together that represent true life, you know, you know, get filmmakers out there, get actors working together. Um, don't just stick with individuals you know, because clearly it's not working. So we need to change with it. Yeah, no, for sure. That's, I think, like, you've put it perfectly, really, because I, I agree that there definitely seems to be this sense of competition and not really um, helping each other up, as you said. So your innate need to produce work, did that come out of this frustration with the existing industry, the fact there was a lack of opportunity? And how, how, how did you start with this? Like, what is that step for creatives who might be listening and are just like, okay, I want to do something, but I just don't know how. So, um, yeah, great. So what happened was last year, so I, um, you know, I was looking at jobs, I was applying. Um, one thing I noticed, every role for women was like Caucasian, Caucasian lead, Caucasian this, Caucasian that. And there was like maybe one or two, one or two that specifically said Indian or South Asian. But then it was like, one line it was like nonsense and I thought what is this and I thought firstly the problem with casting is they should just leave it unspecified like female leads between the ages whatever because otherwise how are you going to see you might be the next John Boyoga but if you don't give that opportunity to put you know no ethnic whatever you're not going to get the creatives so I was getting really annoyed um and I think I was just getting frustrated and I just thought there is nothing out there that represents me because I'm not just South Asian, I'm British and I'm in between and there was nothing there. Um, so I said, forget this, I'm gonna make my own play. So basically what happened was I asked some actors, I just asked a bunch of actors that I knew from acting school. And I said, who wants to do a play, right? I wanna put on a play, let's just do it together. Um, everyone wanted to do it, but the only person that ended up actually being proactive was this girl. So I said, let's do it together. I'm gonna give us equal roles, two lead roles, you know, and let's do this. And I'm gonna make a really gritty drama because women never get gritty roles. You know, they get yeah. pathetic little whatever. Like, and I was like, no, women are strong. They can play every lead role of a man, actually. And um, probably better. Um, <laughs> what happened was, it was actually quite simple. So if anyone wants to start out, this is what I did. So I literally got a play. I ended up writing the play, but you can get a play. Um, you just hire a venue, you invite guests, and you just go for it. And not only, it's such a huge step because it sounds so simple, but what you don't realize what you're doing, you're making yourself the director, the producer, the writer, 
and the cast, that is so powerful because then you can tell people, I am all these things. You just have to take the first step. You know, directors, producers, writers, actors, you have to start somewhere. And once you've made that, you have that backing. So I did that play last year in London. And then this year, um, my aim was to make films and I wanted to make strong female roles. Um, so one of my films has an all BAME female cast. A feature film has an all BAME cast. Um, and another film that I've done and some others. And I, I was like, I just want to make it. But the thing is, you have to collaborate with people. You can't do it on your own. Call right. your friends up. Don't see each other as like, as I said, we're not competition. So I always collaborate with people. I don't care. Like, I love it. And I think you don't know what you're going to make. It's amazing. So all of my films, I've always had someone I know. And I've reached out to them. I say, hey, let's write a film together. Hey, do you want to act in this scene? Um, open the doors, you know what I mean? You can't do it on your own, you know, get more opportunities. So yeah, I, th I would just say, get someone, start making the stuff and get it out there because that is the only way, if you're gonna sit at home and wait for that audition, it's not gonna come. Sure. So make the roles you want and just do it yourself. Um, so I think that's the way forward, to be honest. Yeah, very true, very true. And I know some guests on the, the previous series as well just highlighted this point of this, us as artists needing to create for ourselves and actually put ourselves out there that it's almost a responsibility now for change. Mm. Um, I think you spoke in, uh, I'm not sure if it was a BBC interview where you mentioned how your faith also helped you get through this time of pandemic and I just yeah. like, I'm big on like talking about spirituality as well but um, yeah I just wanted you to elaborate a little bit more on, on that, how, how it helped you. Yeah. So I don't consider myself religious. I think similar to you, I see myself as spiritual. Um, so basically after my granddad died, I, you know, cause you question everything, don't you? Um, I, I thought, you know what? Um, I don't want to go forward being upset or angry or questioning, you know, why if there is a God, why did this happen or, or whatever. Um, and I was feeling very stressed at work. You know, I think it's a really bad time to be a doctor anyway in this generation, but I, I started gratitude actually. So it was really simple. Um, I got a gratitude journal and every morning, and it sounds simple, but it's so effective. So every morning I would write three things I'm grateful for. You know, I'm grateful for waking up. I'm grateful for my coffee. I'm grateful for that I have a friend or whatever. And I just started routinely doing that every single day. And it's become almost like a meditation for me. I do it every morning. I still do it. And I think it makes me smile every day. Like, honestly, I think I would have lost my mind if I didn't have that to fall back on. And it gives me comfort. I feel like very positive as a person, despite everything going on. You know, I've actually not, I've actually quite enjoyed lockdown despite the difficulties. And it's because of the gratitude. And I call gratitude like my faith. And I find that that's my spiritual, um, that's my spiritual soul in a way. So every morning, no matter what, I will be grateful. So if I get a rejection for an audition, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for what I learned. I'm grateful I put myself forward. So that is what I meant by my faith, um, getting through this time. And I think certainly, I think we need something that we find comfort and support because mm. this will carry on. Um, and we don't know, honestly, I just think what is going to happen next year. And we've gone through a lot, I think, in the world like we've had the Australian fires we've had what's happening in America there's just so much going on and I think whatever it is for you whether it's your religion your family yourself I'm about self-care so for me self-care is really big um, and you have to look after yourself in this time and look after your mental health as well 
Yeah, absolutely. And that leads me like nicely. I mean, I absolutely back that because gratitude is huge for me as well. So I know it's just, it, it is a life changer. That's the thing. And you want, you want other people to do it because it just makes such a difference to you. Um, but yeah, talking a little bit more about self-care because you, you know, you're, you're big on mental health as well. And that's something you talk a lot about. Um, I know this episode, it's going to be a while to the release, but I feel like nonetheless, self-care is always something that you can never hear enough of. Yeah. Um, how, do we, how do we deal with like uncertainty better? Because I think talking to so many people, the biggest thing that keeps coming up is just like, and I get asked so much, like, how can you possibly stay positive, like not knowing what's tomorrow, you know, yeah. and, and suddenly, you know, we, we, we're so used to control and just simple things like taking for granted the fact that we can plan and meet with friends next week um, and all of this. But then when the pandemic hit, you know, it really shook everything up. Um, But how can people like navigate through periods of uncertainty better? Like you said, we don't know what the future holds, but you know, we we possibly could have something else hit us. So yeah, yeah, any tips in regards to that? Yeah, so I actually just did a workshop on this yesterday. So I think one thing is, as creators, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to create. And I know, especially in lockdown, some have felt that, that they have to be proactive somehow in a lockdown pandemic. I mean, you know, that's not always possible. Um, And I think as creatives, also because our work is almost objectified by other people to get that justification, it's harder because our work is in their hands, essentially. You know, we can't create work and not show anyone. Do you know what I mean? Because you can't be, it's hard to be creative in that way. Um, And I think with that comes a lot of, obviously, rejection, a lot of remarks, a lot of comments. Um, And it's hard on one's self-esteem. Honestly, it's really hard. Um, And I think, especially as creatives, we have to be more aware um, and look after our mental health, especially as actors. People like to break down actors to get to a core emotion, but then they don't lift them back up safely. That is just wrong in my eyes. Um, I think in this time, I think use this time to reflect. Reflect on who you are, what has gone right in your life, what has gone wrong, what are your triggers in life? So triggers is a really big thing. So if you're, when I mean triggers, I mean what makes you feel worse, okay? It might be, you know, for some people it's interacting with their sister-in-law, or it might be not going to the gym, or it might be not getting up in time or showering every day. It could be absolutely anything. Look at what your triggers are, and then right next to that, write down how to avoid it. So I think it's about maintaining what you can right now. So getting in a routine now, despite we're in a pandemic, still keep things familiar to you. So for instance, for me, I've still got up at the same time. I've still done what I need to do. Um, I've just obviously changed some of the content of the day, obviously, like we all have to, but then I still go to bed at the same time. So keep regular routine, I think is really important. Um, to help your mood and because we are in a time of uncertainty you know people's weddings have been affected we might have had loss in this time we don't know honestly when this will end we don't know if there'll be another surge we don't know if something else will happen Um, and of course that is really scary Um, but I think there is comfort that we're all in this together and I think remember that it's not just me it's not just you it's the entire world So everybody has these thoughts somewhere. So reach out to people as well, like express how you feel. Don't hide it in, that's not gonna help. And I think because we're already isolated, it's gonna build. Um, So I think keep the routine, uh, look at what you can control now. Um, What is it you would want to do? So for me, I really wanna start doing yoga properly every day. So that is something I wanna intertwine every day. I can control that. 
you know these are things I can control um so have that routine um you know I'm very big on positivity so I have like a vision board where I put positive quotes on there about myself you know lift yourself up in this time we're only human um this is difficult for everyone and just support one another you know Zoom has been amazing. I don't know where we'd be without social media. I mean, it's so great. What a great way to connect with people. Otherwise, I just don't know how we'd cope. But um, we have these tools. It's all there. So don't, don't do it alone. You know, um, do a party on Zoom, whatever it is, you know, make yourself feel better. Um, we all can't control this, but we can control what we do right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that, I think that's, You've perfectly summed it, summed it all up. And that's great. I think very practical, doable tips for sure. Um, the last question I, I wanted to ask. I don't you, want it to end. Oh, yeah, I know. It's been such a great conversation. Um, I just wanted to ask you about, because this series is called Purpose. Um, I always used to think like you had to have one. And obviously, you know, your testimony to the fact that you're not only serving people by being a doctor, but you're also, you know, serving in the arts. Uh, you know you're you're performing and you're reaching out to people and you're creating jobs in a way for for a community where where there is this lack um do you feel like if if i ask you what your purpose is or whether it is more than one what would that be oh you've put me on the spot um <laughs> you mean purpose in what job role um it could be anything like any, anything that you have on your heart. I know something you said right at the beginning was just the fact that you felt very strongly that you had to, you know, you were, you were thinking of not being a doctor anymore or at least yeah. for a while. And then you, you, yeah. you, you felt like you had to do it for another year. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just thinking that's so, that's so interesting that you felt that, but I feel like you clearly, you clearly are here right now for a purpose. Yeah. Um, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think right now in the present moment, I think purposes change a lot, but I think right now you just asking me that, I think how I'm feeling right now, I feel my purpose is to put female actors and filmmakers on the screen um, and it be um, normalized. And what I mean by that, I mean, reduce gender stigma, LGBT stigma, mental health stigma, um, and ethnic stigma on the screen. So right now I feel a responsibility as a British South Asian creative to make that happen for all of us. And I want to help lead that way. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's a great way to, to end, I think, this conversation. Until next time, I'm sure there'll be a next yeah. time. But <laughs> thank you so much for being part of this. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing this. And I really hope, and I'm sure that, you know, it's going to connect with, with a lot of people and really encourage them. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Well, that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I hope you tune in next week when I talk to another exceptional guest. As usual, every Sunday, we're continuing the series of Purpose and I hope it thoroughly, thoroughly speaks to you. It affects you. I hope you're inspired to share the message with someone and I hope that you have already subscribed to the podcast. If not, please go to www.unplugannie.com and you can find all the podcast links as well as other links and articles which may be of interest to you. You can also subscribe and receive the weekly email newsletter to your inbox and be part of the family in a more active way. Until next week.